Well, how are you doing this morning? And Lord, do we have more preteens today? Mm-mm-mm. The Bible does say be fruitful and multiply. Well, we're in our series on a new anointing. Today is part three of a new anointing. And uh, I had shared with you in both weeks a specific passage out of 1 John 2 and 20. And it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Do you ever feel like you know everything? Do you ever feel like you don't know everything? <laughs> I feel that way uh, pretty often. What's this scripture saying is, is that we have an anointing from the Holy One. Remember, I told you last week, and I think the week before as well, I referenced the fact that Jesus is the anointed one. He is the anointing, anointed one, and when we're under him, his anointing comes down upon our life. It flows into our life. Let me say this. That if you will, uh, sanctification, say sanctification. Give me an amen if you know what sanctification means. <laughs> if you don't know what it means, I'm going to go ahead and explain. So let's say it this way. You're sanctified. You're being sanctified and you will be sanctified. Let me, let me explain that. So when Jesus died on the cross, when you come to faith, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that he paid the price for your sins, you are saved. You're sanctified. You're, you are born again in spirit. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Okay. But then you start to, to, to uh, follow the Lord and you're walking on and you find out that not everything about your life is sanctified yet. Right? Somebody makes you mad. I don't know about you, but, you know, I was born again. Uh, I stopped cussing pretty quick, but somebody upset me one day, and I kind of cussed them out. You ever cuss somebody out? None of you? Oh, man. Y'all understand lying's a sin, right? <laughs> you ever cuss somebody out? <laughs> okay. When I got saved, man, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, somebody did something, I'm like, I cussed them out, and I'm telling you, I... The conviction I felt to give my life to the Lord did not even come close to the conviction I felt in that moment because I was following the Lord. <clears throat> I think I was about two weeks old in the Lord when I, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And understand that, that, you know, when I say baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, but there's kind of an initial encounter we call it Pentecost on the day of Pentecost God poured his spirit out and the Holy Spirit came and they were they were filled with the Holy Spirit it set on each one of them like tongues of cloven fire who gets nervous when I say tongues it's okay you might get I say tongues you know if I say I speak in tongues some of you might be like dude man right, whatever yeah because it's otherworldly it is a little bit troubling to encounter something supernatural that, that we don't see every day in our life. I didn't grow up uh, with that. But as I came to the Lord and that moment came, what happened was I'm saved. So sanctified. I'm born again in spirit. My spirit, I can't make my 
spirit better than God made it. I can build myself up in the spirit, but when I'm born again, my spirit is clean. I'm a new creation, yet this new creation dwells in this old creation, this flesh. Come on now. And so there I am, and I cuss this guy out, and I'm, I feel conviction. I remember I come home that day, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I can follow the Lord I, as I'm reading. I just don't know if I can live up to what the Bible tells me. And Jesus died on the cross, and I just feel like all I'm doing is, is, is dishonoring him, right? And so Angie's like, honey, you know, look, it's, it's a... It's a journey, right? You got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto God. Amen? And so I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> she says, you know, I think, I think if you uh, had, had an experience, you know, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm like, but I don't understand. I got saved. Why, why do I need something else? How did I not get all of the Spirit when I got born again? Because how can I be born again without the Spirit of God? You can't. Say inner gay. It's where we get our word energy from. It's the inner dwelling. It's, it's an inner transforming power of the Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, the word for power was not energy. It was, anybody? Dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. And on the day of Pentecost, because remember this, the disciples, when they're walking with Jesus and following Jesus and they're ministering to people, there's a moment where Jesus stops and he actually blows on them. Anybody ever read that passage in the scripture? Give me an amen if you have. You haven't. A few, just a few of you. So he blows on them and this is what he says to him. He blows on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now what I want to know is, is that if Jesus prayed for them, come on, say Jesus. Is there any greater leader than Jesus? I mean, does it all really originate with Christ as far as us living out this walk of Christianity? Absolutely. But he blows on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them to go into Jerusalem and wait till they're endued or that they receive power from on high. And when you read that story, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Well, did they receive the Spirit back here or did they receive him here? Come on, somebody. We get stuck in this thing of it's one experience. And I want you to tell you, I want to tell you that it's experience after experience after experience with God. I look at that those times when I'm pursuing God, God, God is further than I've gone, He's higher than I've gone, and He wants to do more in my life than I've ever experienced. If I'm not experiencing God continually, having that renewed outpouring of His Spirit, that renewed anointing, the new anointing constantly in my life, I feel it. Anybody? I feel it. I know. I know when I have those moments when I'm close to God and I'm having those encounters with Him. And I don't mean to make it, uh, it's not about a feeling, but it is about His presence in our life. Amen? And I know when His presence is there, and I know when it's not there. Doesn't mean God's not there. Somebody say omnipresent. God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't get away from him. I told you a couple weeks ago that even if you make your bed in hell, guess what? God's there. What does that mean? You can't get away from him. 
He will, he will pursue you all the way to the gates of hell. Come on, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I read something this week and a guy, he was dying and, and literally being drug off. I mean, this is his experience. that He was being drug off to hell. In the midst of dying, as he's sensing he's being drug off to hell, all he could muster is the name Jesus because he had grown up and had an you know, experience with God. His parents made him go to church. Come on, somebody. Right? It's like, gosh, I don't want to go to church. You know, made him go to church and he learned something about Jesus that, that, that there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. That there's power in the name of Jesus, amen? And so he musters out. He just, uh, Jesus, boom, he's back. And let me tell you, his story is, I, I don't want to do the things I did. I want to follow Jesus. Because <laughs> if you, you have an encounter with death where you're on, knocking on death's door and you're being drugged to hell, and you utter the name Jesus and you come back to life, let me tell you, it's going to have an impact on you, Amen. Here's what I would tell you, that, that in that moment that I'm with Angie and she tells me, Derek, I, I really believe you just need to re- receive the Holy Spirit. I struggled with that, didn't I? Struggle. I just don't understand that I don't have God's Spirit now. Well, you have God's Spirit, but you need this experience. You need a continual. Say continual. We need a continual outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. <laughs> Come on. Amen in the house of the Lord. So they start talking to me about the Holy Spirit, and I, I am just struggling to understand why I need some other experience outside of getting saved and giving my life to Christ. So they call the pastor over, Pastor Marty Younger. He'll be out here sometime and preach. You'll get to meet him. Warren and I both got saved under his ministry, Kelly and, and uh, Angie. We attended his church years ago. Um, we probably have a few members in here that, that came from there because their church merged with us years ago. Um, but here's the deal. I'm sitting there. They call him over. He's sharing scriptures with me. He starts to read from the scripture about the Holy Spirit. You being earthly fathers, knowing how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? If you ask him, see, oftentimes we don't ask. We don't have a new anointing in our life consistently, most times, because we are not daily. God, fill me with your spirit. Father, give me your Holy Spirit. He is the anointing. The Holy Spirit is compared to oil, which we'll see in a moment. That if we actually take that moment, we start our day, we wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, fill me. What you're receiving is a new anointing every time. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says to continually, say continually, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm sitting there, he's reading scripture, and I'm going to share my experience. People have different experiences. For me, you know, they had like tongues of cloven fire set down on them. For me, it was, I literally felt like my feet were set on fire, not not like burning fire. They were really hot, warm. But at the same time, it hit my feet, it hit my head. And I feel this warmth coming up my legs and going down my torso. It meets right here. And then I feel something on the inside of me just welling up, bubbling up, kind of 
the best way I can describe it. It's hard to describe. It's other, it's otherworldly, supernatural. And it wells up on the inside of me, right? And he's still sharing scriptures, so the pastor's still talking. I didn't say it out loud. I just was sitting there, and I'm like, well, God, then I want your Holy Spirit. I just thought it. Boom, it happened. And when it met here, it starts welling up, and he's talking, he's sharing scripture. And I literally, I got to tell you, the joy, it was like yoke, burden, lifted. And let me say about the, the heat, the fire. You, this is what John the Baptist said. There's one that comes after me that I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so here I am, I'm cussing people out, I'm doing all that. And I have this moment with God. Faith comes, say this with me, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as that pastor sharing the word, I'm hearing the word, but I'm not just hearing logos, the written word. I start to hear rhema. And what triggered me to hear rhema was this. You being earthly fathers, knowing how to give your children good gifts, that was not my experience in life. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that caught me because I want a father. I've always wanted a father. So what you're saying to me is he's my heavenly father. And I can ask him and he's going to give me good gifts. That hadn't been my experience. I longed for it. And in that moment for me it became real. And that's why I said, I, I want your Holy Spirit. Again, thought it. And then what happens? Holy Spirit comes, meets in the middle. Here's what happened as that warmth. I believe this, that God purified my tongue. Would you know that I go to work and I'm so much different? People are like, what happened to you? I'm like, well, I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They go, you got what? <laughs> well, I got saved and filled. Well, I've heard of saved, but we mean filled with the Holy Spirit. I was, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? I went to church, I, you know, I went to church, and I never heard of that, and I'm like, well, it's right here, and I'd open my Bible, so all of a sudden on my breaks, all I'm doing is reading the Bible, and, and they start calling me preacher man, because I was just sharing the word of God, but I began to lead people to Christ, and I shared, I think it was last week, that Warren had become friends with the first guy that I led to the Lord, he got baptized, I laid hands on him, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, in Angie and I's apartment. Are you nervous? It's like, man, pastor's talking about crazy stuff. People think it's weird. It's not. It's supernatural. And I believe this, that it's so, so important for us to, to, if you will, maintain our vessel to constantly receive that new anointing, to do the things that are necessary for us to walk with God each and every day not in our own power and strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read this to you again now. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. See, the Holy Spirit knows all things, and what will happen as you are continually filled, He will lead you and He will guide you. You will develop a voice to hear the Spirit, and then what happens is God directs your steps. You make plans, but he directs your steps by the Spirit of God. 
speaking to you, that still, small voice. Amen? Um, how many of you like cars? I know Don Jackson races. What are those things called? What? A dwarf car. Little car. Not a go-kart, but a dwarf car. Um, how many like like race cars? Who watches the Indy 500? Who watches NASCAR? Oh, we don't have any NASCAR fans. <laughs> Who likes their truck? Who likes their car? Let me just ask this question. How many of you drive a car? <laughs> you got to maintain it, right? It's important to maintain it. How many of you have ever had a car and you didn't change the oil the way you were supposed to? <laughs> How many of you drove it to the point where, you know, you drive in, they're like, uh, hey, there's no oil in your engine? <laughs> How many of you uh, have a car, have had a car that burned oil and you just kept topping it off? <laughs> How many found out that, you know, uh, all of a sudden, if you don't maintain it right, that you blow, who's, who's had a seal blown or... An engine blow. Give me an amen if you've had that. That's quite a few. So we know that there's an importance of maintaining that vessel, that vehicle, if you will. You are a vehicle for the presence and the power of God. You are a vehicle for the love and the mercy and the grace and the truth of God. And the only way that that's going to operate right is to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with a new anointing, with new oil. Give me an amen. That's a fact. And I find when the oil, if you're just topping off, just topping off, just topping off, guess what? If you never change it, all you're doing is, is adding a little bit of good oil with really bad oil. Amen? So we need to maintain our vessel. The Bible often likens the anointing of the Holy Spirit to oil. And some observations about the qualities and characteristics of oil can help us understand the workings of the Holy Spirit. So we need three, say three. three. We need three measures of maintenance to maintain our anointing. How do we maintain our anointing? We need three measures of maintenance to maintain the anointing. We need to keep our oil full, frugal, and fresh. Say full, full frugal. And fresh. Keep it full. Keep it full. Oil evaporates, so replenish regularly. Oil will evaporate, so replenish it regularly. You got to think about it. The, the idea of how uh, an engine will run and what it does, it gets hot, right? Your life gets hot sometimes. And what happens is, is it breaks the, the oil down, if you will. And you got to keep it fresh. Keep it full. Acts 7.55 says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is speaking of Stephen, who was a deacon in the church. And, and what, what the deacons did, they had the, um, the widows of the church from the different uh, sects, if you will, or the, the different um, races that were present in the church in Jerusalem, that what happened was there was complaints that began to arise. And so what they did is they chose uh, among them, they chose them, men full of the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth, to serve the church. And what Stephen did in the midst of his service to, 
to wait on the tables and to take care of widows and to take care of the issues that go on in the church, then in the midst of that, he preached the gospel and people were coming to Christ and miracles were taking place. So much so that the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the keepers of the law, let me say, people who are religious, began to persecute him all the way to the point of prosecuting him and then uh, ushering him outside of town. And the person who led that was Saul, which we know as Paul the Apostle. And he leads this out, to, to, out of the city, takes him outside the gates, and they start to stone him to death. That's what this is referring to. That this is literally Stephen's, full of the Holy Spirit, it says. Full of the Holy Spirit. And he gazes into heaven, and what he sees is he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I've preached a message on this before that what happens is when you get vertical for Jesus, he gets vertical for you. Because my Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but Stephen, when he's being stoned to death, utters the same words that Jesus utters from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As they stone him to death, and I want to say that he was full of the Holy Spirit. He had a new anointing on him. He walked in a fresh anointing. So even when they were putting him to death, all he could utter was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. He kept it full, and because he kept it full, forgiveness will flow. When you keep your vessel full of oil, forgiveness will flow from it. Amen? Luke 4 and 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he did was not to go out and do miracles. The first thing he did was to go into the wilderness and be tempted is what the Bible says. And as he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted, right, the devil comes to him and and, and, and basically says to him, uh, because he's hungry, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And what he says is, hey, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Let me say this. Jesus always said, it is written when he faced temptation. And how was he able to immediately go to what the word of God said about any temptation, anything that was in contrast it is written, and he spoke that, and it's the end of that temptation. He resisted the devil, and the Bible says, resist the devil, he flee, he'll flee from you. Now, what we know is he tempts Jesus two more times, but Jesus confronts that temptation with it is written every single time. Keep the word of God at the center. <clears throat> if you keep it full, if you keep yourself full of the Holy Spirit, temptation can be withstood. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I referred to Acts chapter 2, where we see the day of Pentecost. This is saying that they were gathered together again and filled with the Holy Spirit again, and what they did is they went forth speaking the word of God with boldness. So, uh, if you keep it full, right? What's going to happen is you're going to speak the word of God forth with boldness. Keep it full and God's word is shared. Acts 13, 49 through 52. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. 
But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, say religious, and chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. This was the, these were the, the Jews. They, they went to the synagogue and they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're talking about Jesus and how he was crucified, buried in resurrection, that he's the Messiah. And, they, and what happened, the religious folk, they stirred up the prominent religious folk that then pushed back on uh, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas and basically ran them out of the city. Watch what it goes on to say. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Don't let persecution ever hold you back from sharing God's word. Let me tell you this, that when God's word is shared, and it's shared with with life, full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it will impact non-believers. But let me say that people who become religious, what they'll do is they want to sit and they want to argue over words, as the Bible says, to no profit. And set and debate and debate and debate and debate. And let me say this, you have not been called to debate. You have been called to document. When I'm reading from the book of Acts here, let me say this. That what are the acts in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because in that sense, Acts is still being written. I'm not talking about uh, the canonized version of Scripture. I'm talking about, as the Bible says, you as living epistles of Jesus start to become what people read. And that anointing on your life will make an impact in somebody else's life. The anointing on your life is going to make an impact in somebody's life that mine will never make an impact on. There are people in your life, there are people in this city, there are people all over the world, wherever you go, that your testimony in Jesus Christ will make the difference in theirs. Hmm. Keep it full, and we focus on the harvest, see. They didn't get distracted with all the persecution and the disagreement and the debate. They dust their feet off. It's what Jesus told them to do. If you're not received, you you can only influence people that receive you. And, And people that receive you will receive something from you, from the anointing that's on your life, the gifts that are in your life. So don't get distracted by people that reject you. Go and find the ones that will accept you and pour what God has put in you. Man, are you with me today? Did you hear what I said? God's putting something on the inside of you and you're meant to go share it with somebody else, eh? Acts 6.3, brothers and sisters, choose. Here it is. This goes back to Stephen and the other deacons. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them. Let me say this. The church is not meant to be led by one person. The church is not meant to be led by just me. It's not meant to be led by just Warren and myself or or our staff or just the volunteer team. The church is meant to be led by everybody. Why? Because it's not meant to stay. It's meant to go. Every one of us walking in our anointings and giftings will turn the known world upside down just like the early disciples. But a church, when it becomes inward focused, which is what happened, well, this, our needs aren't being met and our needs aren't being met and our needs aren't being met. You need to do this and you need to do that. And let me say this. A church is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. 
It's a place you've got to find your post, your station, what God has called you to do, and live in the anointing that he's put on your life. And what will happen is it'll break the yoke and it'll lift the burden off of someone that's around you. And then when people walk in, if all of us are walking in our anointing and fulfilling what God has called us to do, what happens is, is they'll walk into a place that's focused out of here. They walk into a place and what happens is they feel a presence because let me say there's a unity that comes when each of us find what God has called us to do and we live that out. We're all individuals in the body of Christ in particular and having gifts that differ. But we are one body is what the scripture says. Can you say amen? And so as you discover that, find your place and walk in that, the church comes together in such unity because each part feels like it fits. Come on now. When you feel like you fit, you function well. If I had my pointer finger where my big toe is and my big toe where my pointer finger is and I was up here and I'm holding my hand up, how many of you be like, Oh, what is going on with that? <laughs> and let's say that if this leg was coming out this side and my arm coming down, you know, out, you know, next to my leg on my, so my right arm is my right leg and my right leg is my right arm. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I get up here and preach and I got a leg sticking out here and an arm hanging down and hopping around up here preaching. People would walk in that door and you know what they would do? They would go, whoa, yeah, I'm out of here. It's the same when parts of the body are not fitly joined together by that which every joint supplies. Which the first week when I talked about Ephesians 4, the way Christ designed the church, if we want an anointing, we got to be under him. He's the head of the church. That he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What is your work of the ministry? What's your anointing? Do you know? When you know your anointing, you fit. Listen to this. Keep full. Keep it full. Keep your vessel full and problems in the church will be solved. When you spend time in his presence, the oil of the Holy Spirit will flow into your life. All right. So that's keep it full. Keep it frugal. Oil leaks. I talked about this last week, so I'll be pretty quick on this. Oil leaks when there's a crack in the vessel. So make necessary repairs. You get a crack in your vessel, you know you got things going on that just is a, it, it, it is not Christ-like. Confront it. Deal with it. Ephesians 4 cautions us. So Ephesians 4 about the five-fold ministry and equipping the saints. But listen to this. Ephesians 4 cautions us of potential holes in our vessel. When it says to give no place to the devil, the word place uh, derives from the Greek word avenue, window, or, or an opening. So you are to give no entrance to the devil. Don't allow holes to come because of the lack of maintenance. You've got to maintain your anointing. You've got to take care of it. Listen to this, Ephesians 4. Now we're going to read where this comes from. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. It's okay. You're going to get mad about things, but don't sin in the midst of that anger. See, if you compromise your love for people in the midst of your anger, then it's sin. 
if you're going to speak the truth in love, then, then that's righteousness. Listen to this. Uh, uh, Matthew, Warren will have to remind Matthew Henry. <laughs> love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth without love is brutality. Always process when you're going to speak truth to somebody. Are you speaking it in love? I'd have to confess to you, I, I don't succeed at that all the time. Anybody in the room succeed at that all the time? But I want to. See, we strive for perfection. We may not attain it, but we strive for it. Allowing Jesus, again, that working out our salvation. Let me read on. Um, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There it is. Don't open a window. Don't open a door. Don't open an avenue for the devil. Let him who stole steal no, more, no longer. I don't, I don't know why that comes in there except for to say they must have had some folks stealing some stuff, right? Don't steal. It's wrong in God's eyes. It's like, but it's just a paper clip from work. I mean, is that a big deal? Yep. <laughs> mm. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. He may have something to give him who has need. Now, right there, it indicates that our work is so that we not just care for ourselves, but we look to the needs of others around us. Can you say amen? Um, I lost my spot there. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I'm going to say something here. People want grace from the pulpit, but they struggle to give grace to the pulpit. I heard that said a little while back by a preacher. That people want grace from the pulpit, but they don't want to give grace back to the pulpit. That oftentimes for the church to be healthy, what's got to come from the pulpit is not going to be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Because churches can become toxic as a result of people not finding their place. Let me say that's my fault. I know that I've got to work to equip people and help them find their place. But I will say that the church, in, in many ways in our society today, and this is a trend. I'm, I'm Warren and I, and you know, we're going to be sitting through this thing that, that's basically talking about um, how there's a shift in the church, even through COVID. Let me say this, that, that the powers that be, the principalities and powers that be, there are things changing in our world. I think we all know that things are shifting in a big way. I'm talking, you know, China. You understand that like where we're at in the world and our position in the world, you understand that there are things that are going on and shifting all over the world right now. If you could say politically, uh, geographically, things are shifting and changing. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars and all of those things that are happening are shifting things around. If you go and read your Bible, I want you to, I really want you to look for America in there. Can you find it? You won't, you'll find all those countries. Understand that centric to uh, eschatology, if you understand that God has things that he is planning to do, and mankind will do what they're going to do, I don't mean that we don't uh, exercise our freedoms and our rights. I'm just telling you we're citizens of heaven and we need to understand what's going on in the heavenlies, because what's going on in the heavenlies is shifting what's going on in this earth. Do you understand that? And so you've got to know your anointing 
and your place in Christ because when you find that, what ends up happening is, is we push back the darkness. The church is the hope of the world. Let me tell you, a new policy in Washington is not the hope of the world. It's not the hope of America. Jesus Christ is the hope of America. And how did Jesus choose for, for his will, for his goodness, for his grace to be manifest in this world? He chose to use his church. We are the church. He chose to use you to show who he is to the world. And that's why he said, by your love for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. So how important is it then in the church that love is always elevated to the highest place? That we strive to speak the truth in love. We strive to maintain that connection of agape love with one another. Because here comes the next part. We're called to impart that grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, we're talking about repairing your vessel. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. You know what clamor is? Screaming and yelling at each other. Husbands and wife in the room are, well, I know what that is. <clears throat> and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, giving one another, even, even as God in Christ forgave you. Hmm. There's places in the scripture where Paul talks about that his words are heavy. <laughs> There's times when I share a message and I'm like, God, I, I don't want to talk about this. But what I know is when I don't talk about this, it robs you of a healthy church. And for that, I'm sorry. For the moments where my leadership has failed here, I'm sorry. I ask your forgiveness. I ask for your grace in the midst of that. I, I will strive to grow and do better. But I'm telling you now, it is all of our responsibility to choose to walk in love that you would not allow there to be any gossip in the church. One of our members said to me, you know, pastor, it's not your responsibility to confront those things. I'm thinking, what? And, and this is what he said. He said, it is mature members in the body of Christ's responsibility to confront people who might be gossiping, backbiting, and sowing discord in the congregation so that you are not embattled with the members of the church. Because when I've got to correct that, oftentimes people get put off with me and then what happens is, is then they want to share that, and it creates a toxic environment, an environment of discord and division. And, and here's the worst part. I'm normally the last to know. And I should be the first to know. Why? If somebody has odd against me, guess where do they go? To me, not to somebody else. If they have odd against you, they should go to you. If you have odd against somebody, you should go to them. Right? Why is that? Because the Bible says... If your brother offends you, go to them. Tell them their offense. If they don't receive you, take another. Right? And then, if they don't hear it, tell it to the elders. And then guess what the elders will do if they don't repent? Including myself. And that's why I always say, anything that happens, look, bring it in the light. Don't do it in darkness. 
Why is it important to do it in the light? Because God works in the light and the devil works in darkness. So if basically secrets and whispering and gossip and those things going on in church, guess what's happening? Darkness is coming into the church. And I'm telling you that that's an, it's opening the door to the devil to get in. Don't give him an avenue, don't give him a window, don't give him an opening is what he is saying in this passage. Can you say amen? So keep it fresh. Number three, keep it fresh. Only fresh oil has the proper viscosity. <laughs> you know, that where I was saying topping it off. You can't just top it off a little. You know, sometimes you just got to go and, and, and just really get with the Lord. And it's like, hey, God, I need a, a whole fresh infilling, right? God, uh, I've been running on empty and I need you to fill me up, right? I, I, my seal blew out, my engine blew up, and I need a new engine. Guess what? God will give it to you. Let me tell you what your engine is. It's your heart. See, God will take that heart of stone and he'll give you a heart of flesh again is what that is. See, that's where offense and all those things come that he's saying. All those things that we have to deal with come from a hard heart. And none of us are exempt of having those moments, be it in our marriage, our family, mom and dads to their children, children to their mom and dads, our workplace, wherever we're at. Our heart can get wounded and hurt and all those things start to happen and we just start to you know, pile it up, and then what we do is we go tell somebody, we just start to vent our story. And what we need to do is we just need to go and say, hey, God, you know, I need you to uh, pull this engine and put a new one in and fill me up with oil. Can you say amen? Fresh oil. That is, uh, if, let me say this, the viscosity, if you will, uh, that's only fresh oil has the right density, thickness to allow proper function. That thickness is called Viscosity. And it's important to you because it measures the ability of the oil to withstand heat and pressure and to reduce friction and stress. Your anointing will wear thin under the heat of spiritual warfare. That is why we must daily, say daily, daily give attention to prayer and study of God's word. It's the only way to build and maintain your spiritual viscosity. And when pressure and when spiritual warfare is going on, what you do is like, I need some new oil. I need fresh oil in my engine. I need fresh oil in my heart so that it, it's, the engine's clean. You understand that's what happens. When the oil gets old, it's dirty. You know, there's, uh, if you will, friction has, has shaved uh, metal off in there. There's some of you that know cars better than me can get up here and probably explain that better, but but what I'm saying is, is so those, those impurities, what happens is, is it's what causes your engine to wear. And it ends up being what causes it, you know, to blow up. And I would say that we need to be refreshed and we're renewed so that our life doesn't blow up. Amen. So take time in the word to refresh your oil. Psalms 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores, come on somebody, my soul. He restores my soul. Any of you guys in car restoration? He restores my soul. He restores my mind. He restores my will and he restores my emotions when I spend time with him. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. So make it your aim to live life in a new anointing. Keep it full, keep it frugal, and keep it fresh.
I close with this story. If you've ever heard the story of the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. Five of them took extra oil with them. The bridegroom was coming. And understand that we as the church are the bride of Christ. We're meant to be full of oil. We keep our lamps full of oil. And I would say this, that we don't know when he's coming. And there would be nothing worse than him coming and being empty where it comes to the oil in our vessel. So those five wise, five foolish, the five foolish didn't bring oil. And when the time came, they heard the call. The bridegroom is coming. They all wake up and they prepare their lamps and they're trimming their wicks and they're uh, making sure their lamps are lit. And and the five foolish say to the five wise who had brought extra oil, jars of oil with them. They say, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, go and buy oil in in case I don't want to run out. I don't want to miss the bridegroom because I run out of oil because you came and you were foolish and you didn't keep extra oil. I'm going to say this to you. God has an abundance of anointing for you. He has an abundance of oil. The question is, do you ask him? You being earthly fathers, knowing how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Give oil to those who ask him. Here's what I want to do. Right where you're at, as they play. I would ask you, bow your head, close your eyes. Remember, the anointing breaks the yoke and lifts the heavy burden. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to picture those things that are heavy burdens in your life, things that are yoked that you just feel like you're being pulled a direction in your life and you can't break away from them. Close your eyes and, and picture those things. And somewhere in the midst of that, when you've done it, I want you to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask your Heavenly Father and let Him give you the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, let your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray for the members of this church, for those watching online, I pray that they hear his voice every day. I pray, God, that your anointing rests over your people richly. I pray, God, that they would know that God even as we sing those worship songs from time to time, there's no mountain that you won't move and there's no wall that you won't tear down in their life. And it's not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, by the oil, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life, God. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. 
praise you. We thank you for the answers. We thank you, God, that we do know all things because of the anointing you put on our life. And I pray where there's been confusion, God, misguidance, indecision, that, Lord, clarity would come. That, Father, uh, there would be a sense of timing and knowing what to do. Bless your people in Jesus' mighty and his precious name. Now look up here for a moment. I'm going to ask you, remember disciple means a disciplined one. And I am going to ask you, as a disciple of Jesus, to be disciplined, wake in the morning, have a solid devotional life. If I hear anything, when I meet with members, it's like, I, you know, I know I don't read the Bible as much as I should. I don't pray as much as I should. And, and it's, it's kind of always the, for me, it's kind of cliche in a bit in the sense that I hear it all the time. I'm like, well, you know, put God first, let him lead and guide you. But I really want to challenge you as disciples of the Lord that every day you wake, that you put God first. He deserves it because when he gave his son to die on that cross he put you first right he put every one of us first when he gave his son he didn't give his worst he didn't give mediocrity God gave his best so that we come on would have the best it's not wrong to want an abundant life the reality is Jesus said he came to give that to you if you want to access that, you got to get under it. You got to get under the anointed one so that you have an anointing from the Father. You've been given anointing, but here's where the anointing comes from. Being under Jesus. So every day, pursue him and live it out. Amen? Amen. God bless you.